Well, this is a treat. This is a treat. We get to teach together. Yeah, and don't freak out that we're not physically distancing because we're not physically distancing anywhere. So we don't email together. in right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> Wait. What? It's your birthday today. Mm -hmm. I want to wish you a very, very happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, this is so special that we get to do this on your birthday. It is. And I promise there's a whole bunch of other... No car parade. Thank you. Don't worry, there's not a car parade. Thank you. But wonderful things to bless and honor you well, on your you. birthday today. Thank you. Ready to dive in? Yes. Let's go. Well, Life Center is a single church. Where, did you see how I just pivoted there? Love it. Like, go. Yeah, go. Let's I'm going. Do it. I'm going. We're in. I'm going. Life Center <laughs> is a single church uh, in different locations. And here's what we have learned uh, in leading Life Center. You know, it's easier to plant a campus than it is to raise a leader. It's easier to plant a campus than it is to raise a leader because the campus is things, it's brick, it's mortar, it's system, it's structures, but people, leaders, all of us are unpredictable. We're healthy yeah. and we're unhealthy. We have experience or no experience. So it's, it's much, much more challenging. Yet our core mission at Life Center and our heart, as you've been doing this Carrier of the Heart Value Series this whole ministry year, um, really is expressed that we are growing together to make a Jesus-sized difference. If I just synthesized it, that's the heart. So at Life Center, we're all about people. And people are the stuff of dreams. And they're also the stuff of deep challenges, you know, because yeah. it's serving and authority and accountability and celebrating. And it's all of it mixed together. And so we're going to start talking about equipping. It's our final value in Carriers of the Heart. But today also marks a shift for Life Center, which is going to run on these two parallel tracks. And track A, I want you to know that we are prayerfully and diligently working on a reopening plan that whenever they give us the green light, we're going to engage that. And so we're going to be releasing that throughout the month of June so you can see it. But also, here's what else I want you to know is that together, we don't want to just get back to what was. We want to minister actually more effectively in this season ahead. And we know that means equipping people. It means growing together. And it means our city is a little bit different as a result of what we've gone through. And so we don't want to just be the same. We actually want to be growing in God in every which way. And so when we use the word equipping, here is what we mean. We grow people who make a difference by inviting everyone to be involved in ministry, to be involved in church together, everyone, because every believer in Jesus is a builder. It doesn't mean we all do the same things, but every believer in Jesus is called to be a builder. It takes the whole church to be his church for the city. When we talk about equipping, this is what we're talking about. Our engagement of this singular value or this single value is the defining element for every Christian, and it's also for every single church. Lori? So Matthew 28, 19 to 20, it's the Great Commission. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, mm. baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. You see, we are called to go. Go where? Go wherever we are and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded in my word. I don't have my Bible right here. I love having my Bible when I preach, but God's word is full of exactly how we are called to live our lives. So how we make disciples is we literally 
teach people the word of God and how to follow all that God says. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, which would have been confusing for them because Jesus was leaving. He was going to go. He was going to leave them. How could you be with us and leave us at the same time? You see, the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen yet. And so they didn't have that revelation yet. We are specifically called to prepare. In fact, it's not even just a call. It's a charge from Jesus to provide whatever is needed to people to, for people to walk with Jesus. It's a call of all believers, not just super believers, super Christians or pastors or leaders. It's a call to every single one of us to help prepare people for what they will face when they walk a life with Jesus. Mr. Jerry Corto. He's ever so famous for quoting this line, for saying this line, when God saved you, he had someone else in mind. And I want to ask you today, has that someone else emerged in your life as a result of you coming to Christ? How has that impacted your sphere of influence? Have others come to know Jesus because you have come to know Jesus? That's what discipleship is all about. But before we can be equippers, we must be humble enough to, and hungry enough to be equipped ourselves. You see, God is moving, even in this time and in this way, which may seem or feel inferior to what we have had in the past. God is still moving in his sovereignty in profound ways, saving people, bringing people to Jesus. And we get messages and, and notes and emails and phone calls every week of the profound transformation that's happening in people's lives. In fact, just this week, we got this incredible message that went something like this. Hello, I want to change my life. Last week, I believe I accepted the Lord into my heart. Not sure what happened. It made me cry like a newborn baby. How many of you know exactly what this person is talking about? That literally when you accept Jesus for the first time, you don't really know what's happening because you've never experienced or felt anything like that before. And often it brings you to a point of tears and just surrender. It's a powerful and profound moment. You see, that's the work that God does. What are we called to do? We're called to disciple and equip. The Great Commission clearly lays two things out for us, the who and the what. And so what does it say? It said that Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus promised that he would be with us as we walk this out. We don't have to do it in our own strength. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to know all the things to do. The second thing he lays out is what to do. Make disciples by baptizing them, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. So he tells us what to do. But did you notice what he left out? He didn't say how we are to do it. And you see, the answer to the how we're to make disciples, the how we're to equip people is diverse as the cultures we have, the spiritual gifts, the dreams, the visions, our personality, our, our, just the ways that we are, our needs. Uh, it's just as diverse as all those things. Some of the ways that we see and that we often celebrate that people are equipping or making disciples would be like in a life group, for example. A life group is one of the greatest environments for discipleship, for equipping, because there's a couple of things that are happening. If you're a life group participant, you are both being equipped and you are also equipping because as you share your life, your story, how God is working in your life, you are learning and you're helping others to learn. 
Sunday church services, listening to messages, teaching others, telling them about what they're learning, what you're learning. Those are all ways that we equip people, outreach or serving, serving at the food bank, serving in your neighborhood or community, just sacrificially blessing someone in your life or your neighbor or even a stranger. Even social media can be a form of discipleship. I got a message this week from somebody who shared a story of just literally being in this broken place before the Lord saying, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm at the end of my wits. And they literally opened up a Pinterest and there was a note, a type of note that they had never seen before. And it was written as if God himself had written it. And basically it said, do not give up. Do not be discouraged. It spoke directly to the prayer that this person just so prayed. Good, yeah. So social media can even be a form of discipleship in sharing the light and love of Jesus. I think one of the greatest places where we see discipleship happen is in the home if you're yeah. a parent of kids. And it's also a place where we feel great inadequacy because yes. the reality is that inside of us is both showing the best and the worst of who we are. And so I think as parents, sometimes we shy away from leaning into those spiritual places. But the truth is that if our kids have not put themselves in a position to be able to receive from us as equippers in their life, then we are left to be models of what it means to live a life in Christ. We have to just show them by the way that we live. But don't underestimate the power of living a Christ-like life. That is equipping and that will impact your kids far more than any words that come out of your mouth. So I want to encourage all the parents out there who feel discouraged. Listen, we have four teenagers in our house. We try to do devotions with our kids. Sometimes it goes well. Yeah, I, I was, you know, my parents can attest to it. I was probably one of the worst in devotions and I feel like God has repaid me fourfold <laughs> because he loves me so much. And your parents will say, you're welcome totally. to you. Totally, they will, yeah. Our kids are, are watching now though and you're amazing. They're, we, they're amazing. But and awesome too. Oh, we love we love them. But listen, we just say we're pastors. We're supposed to be the professionals at this, and sometimes we no. feel really, really inadequate. Yep. But honestly, we have truly found that just modeling for them what it means to follow Jesus is the most powerful way that we can do it. I mean, even just uh, maybe a week or two ago, I sat down in front of all the kids and I just said, listen, I, I want to confess something. I want to confess something that God convicted my heart of. I was reading the verse that says, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I felt this conviction come over my spirit. Number one, that I had been receiving condemnation upon myself. And number two, guess how that was manifesting in my life? Well, the minute they woke up, it was like, is your room clean? Is your homework done? Why did you go to bed so late? Why did you leave the kitchen messy? All of this condemnation, criticism language was the first thing that was coming out of my mouth. And I just repented before them and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for treating you that way and acting that way. And again, modeling those things for our kids is an important way that we disciple. It's huge. See, discipling and equipping are not meant to be done perfectly. In fact, the most profound and powerful equipping usually happens through vulnerability and weakness that leads us to Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We connect humanly through suffering, weakness, and brokenness because every single one of us can relate because we all wrestle with things that we wish we could do, but we just can't do. It's not just what comes out of our mouth, but we must model the gospel message in our life and in our words and in our equipping. In our equipping. We're broken and in need of rescue. We're flawed in lack and cannot do what we wish we could do. We need saving. Yep. 
And equipping is one of those values that requires a two-person participation. In order to equip people, we must be people who are teachable and open to being equipped. I know for myself, I'm always watching people. I'm always watching and observing different people and trying to learn and trying to glean and trying to be equipped from how other people live their life. And I watch all kinds of different people, every different age group and all kinds of different things, just looking and learning and watching for what God is doing through their life. There's several men and women at our church at Life Center, like Haiti Bright and Sandra Morn and Gloria Hutchison and Ruth Cullen, who, who literally are equipping me, but they've never sat down with me and said, right. Lori, right. I'm going to equip you right now. Right, that would be weird. Yeah, so they don't do that. Yeah. But just by sharing their life, sharing testimonies, sharing encourage, encouragement with me, sharing their life experience, I am built up, I'm strengthened, I'm encouraged, and I am equipped. They live and lead like Jesus, and I gl glean and learn from their life mm. just by being around them. You know, we often disqualify ourselves from this idea of being equippers based on our lack and based on our weakness. But most, <laughs> the most powerful lessons I have learned from people have not come through their great successes and achievements. It's come from their ability to persist through adversity and suffering. No one is perfect, and the most impactful discipleship has come out of vulnerability and weakness, because then we model Christ's power despite our lack. Mm. So equipping requires two willing people and, and an exchange to take place. Now, another expression of the how we are to make disciples is found in the varieties of spiritual gifts that have been enabled from the Holy Spirit of God in us. And 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there's a variety of service, but the same Lord. There's a variety of activity, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so what we see here is all kinds of variety in gifts and service and activities, but it is the same unity of the Spirit that brings us all together making disciples. It's so powerful. You see, there's an interdependency that comes in the body of Christ when we mutually submit to one another, honor each other in unity, and operate in the fullness of the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit in our lives. Nobody has every gift, so we have to rely on each other yep. in order to do this great commission that we have all been called to do together. And I am so excited for this summer because we're going to be unpacking spiritual gifts in a deep dive. I I, I'm, I love it so much, but um, that's all we're going to touch on in totally. this message today. But I can't wait for our summer series. Yeah, my, nor, nor I. Super excited. So as grand and diverse as the how is, remember what Pastor Lori just said, like the who, it's Jesus. And the what is we're called to teach people all that Jesus commanded them, not even just the stuff we like, the stuff Jesus said we don't like. Right. Uh, we're to baptize them, right? We're to go into all the world, all those pieces, but the how. So as creative as that is, it, that too comes down to a singular reality. In Matthew 22, 37 to 39, Jesus said, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your heart, my heart, your heart, your soul, your mind. And the second, the, sorry, uh, this is great. And the first commandment, the second is like it. You uh, shall love the Lord your, you know, your God as you love your neighbor, I should say, as yourself. Man, that I butchered that scripture, but we're just going to keep you right on going. You got it. Love, we're with you. We're just being equipped. <laughs> you just love your neighbor. 
yes. as yourself. Yes. So now Jesus is our everything, right? And while he can do anything, because he's all-sufficient and all-powerful, while he can do anything, he chooses to use us. Yeah. He chooses to use us. So we know that Jesus is always with us. And we know that we're called to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all. Again, not just some of what Jesus commanded. And we know that love is to be our core motivation of why we're doing what we're doing. Which brings me to a question I want to ask us today, which is not a gotcha question, but it has a hint of it, but I'm not coming at it from a gotcha place. I'm actually bringing it from almost like a come to the light kind of place. And here's the question I want to ask you is this, is how I am living, I want you to ask yourself this question, is how I am living my day-to-day life, is how I am living my day-to-day life worth inviting others to follow me? as I follow Jesus, is how I am living my day-to-day life. Is it worth inviting others to follow me as I follow Jesus? So even a question like this can make you feel really insecure, even squirm. And again, in, in love, don't lower the bar. Because equipping is not about lowering the bar. It's about being grown. It's growing up in God. That's the heart of it. But see this. When I read that, I think, man, I've got some areas where, yeah, for sure. And other areas where I'm like, Lord, I want to grow in those areas. Don't lower the bar. Be inspired by others. When you compare yourself to others, don't do it from a place of insecurity. Do it from a place of inspiration. God, will you help me grow? Will you help me stretch? Will you help me be who you've called me to be? Mm-hmm. Be equipped by others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because again, wherever your life is at this moment, this is one of my favorite sayings, because wherever your life is at this moment, you are literally 18 inches away from stepping into a life worthy of inviting other people to be following you as you follow Jesus. The 18 inches often is just between our head to our heart. Wow. It's from an idea out here to a commitment that we make. And the first commitment is a commitment of surrender, of obedience. One of the things I love saying is wherever your life is at, if you make your next step an obedient step, then that single step is worthy of inviting other people to follow you as you're following Jesus. Maybe not the 30 steps previous to that, but that step, you are now following Jesus and others can follow your example in what you're doing. So again, why do I say that so often? Because the first step in equipping others is three words. The first step, if we want to equip anybody, is just you watch me. That's it. That's the first step. Just watch me. Think about Jesus when he called the disciples. What did he do in the very beginning? They just watched him do Jesus things. They watched him teach. They watched him preach. They watched how he interacted with people. They watched him do miracles. They just watched. They didn't do anything. They just watched. Now with Jesus, it's one thing, but with us, why are those three little words, you watch me, why are they not easy? It's something called the proximity problem. And it's this, the closer you get to somebody, the more you're going to see their strengths and their struggles. Right right? You're going to see the spiritual gifts that they have, and you're going to see the ones they don't. You're going to see where their character is strong, and you're going to see where it's weak. You're going to see, you know, you know, again, you're going to see certain things, but you're also going to see other things. And again, this is a challenge, and this is never going away. So let me say this with absolute clarity. The you watch me stage is always more difficult than it often appears. In fact, when you're watching someone who has expertise in an area or experience or character form or learned something, um, they're making it look easier than it appears. Right. They've gone through the fire. They've worked through things. They're making it look easier than it seems or that it appears. 
And just before you dive back in here, I want to tell you a quick story. I've been working out since last August. And it's something no, that's probably... looking so good. Well, thank you. I love it. All right. That's enough. <laughs> but I've been working. Just joking. Just give us a little... No. The gun show. No, I still like putting heavy things down. But anyways, uh, I've been working out. And when I first went to the gym, I was so intimidated because I had no idea what I was doing. And I would watch these people lifting like tremendous amounts of weight. And it wasn't until like literally a couple of months into it where I realized I got my eyes on the wrong thing because I'm looking at the weight and I'm not looking at the form. And if I actually studied the form, because, you know, they're over there picking up like 65 pounds and I'm over there picking up like 10 pounds. But the purpose of, you know, getting in shape or whatever is not in this sense, it's not the weight. It's the form I should have been paying attention to. So oftentimes we want to speak like this person or lead like this person or parent like this person. I'm telling you, it's not the weight. It's the character form. It's the form that they live. And equipping is getting under to hear that type of stuff, not just the external stuff. So don't look at the weight. Look at the form. Because if you look at the form and you get that down, you can grow in the weight. But if you don't get the form down, then the weight's going to crush you. And the same is true in equipping. Right? The people who do it, do it well, make it look easy. Don't look at what they do. Look at how they've gotten to where they are. The character, the tests, the battles, the commitment, the guts of it. That's the yeah. goal of being equipped. Wow, that is, that is powerful. That is really good. It's that character and the values, right? Yep. That bring the form that allow us to be able to do things yes. well That's right. with excellence and like Christ does. Yes. You know, I feel like there is literally a spiritual attack of the enemy, of the enemy of our soul around the area of disqualification. And and if you resonate with this, if you have ever sensed or felt um, just disqualified from whatever it is that you feel like God wants you to do, I want you just to put me in into the chat right now. Mm. If you're in the chats, I want you literally to just put me, 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 me. Put, identify yourself if you resonate with feeling or have felt at times just this sense of disqualification or being disqualified from what it is that God wants you to do. And you know, it's one of the ways that the enemy gets us because he gets us to focus on, you know, with Jason's example, he gets us to focus on, look at how much weight you're picking up. Right. You're only doing 10. You're only doing 15. Look at those guys doing 60. What's that? It's nothing. All of a sudden you feel disqualified from the whole thing. Maybe I shouldn't even go to the gym at all. Well, in equipping and in character, you know, as soon as those flaws start to pop up, we can disqualify ourselves based on that, or we can fall on Jesus and right. let him fill totally. the gap. And every single day we actually have a choice. Do we believe the lies of the enemy? Again, sometimes those lies are based in sort of a truth. Like maybe what he's saying to you is not wrong, but actually what he wants to do in that is completely wrong because mm. God has bridged the gap through Jesus for whatever lack or flaw is in your life. As we submit to him, as we repent, as we confess, as we walk that out, he's provided a way for us. And so this works both ways. It makes us feel inadequate to equip, but also we can look at others in the you watch me stage. We can look at others and we can judge them based on their flaws. And we can say, they can't equip me anymore because they're flawed too. Mm -hmm. There's a scripture, Philippians 4 verses 8 to 9. It's popular. You know it. If you want, you can say it along with me if you've got it memorized. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Mm. And so in the you watch me stage, what are you looking to learn, receive, hear, or see? This is really, really important. Watch this. In the watch me stage, you're training your eye to watch for whatever, to watch for the whatevers. You're training your eye in the, in the you watch me stage, you're training your eye to watch in someone for what is true, what is honorable, what is just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. You're training your eye to see those things, to watch them, and then to model those things. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that you're going to see is going to be true and honorable and pure and just and lovely and commendable. Not everything you're going to see is going to fit into that category, but can you train your eye to see those things, to pull those things from people and be equipped in order to allow yourself to be equipped by someone, even from a distance, you have to have the humility to receive from them and you have to have the ability to see those whatevers. But often what we do in our own immaturity, in our own insecurity, in our own humanity, in our own desire to be judged is often what we do is we switch that whatever to a whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like whatever, that person can't teach me whatever. You know what I'm saying? As I say that, I'm kind of having a flashback right now because like circa 1990, 16 years old, if I got paid a dollar for every time, I was like, whatever, mom. Oh my gosh. Like I probably would be a rich, rich Not me. I was a perfect kid. (laughs) I think if I'm not mistaken, we got sort of a whatever, like a I think you actually got a this this week from one of our kids while we were trying to talk to them about the importance of social distancing. Whatever. That was that was a, a, a definitely a whatever, whatever dad moment. Anyways. <laughs> so what is your attitude gonna be? Are you gonna look for the whatever is true? Are you gonna be whatever? That person can't teach me anything. You have to stop looking for the perfect mentor, the perfect parent, the perfect pastor, the perfect leader, boss, supervisor. They don't exist. So knock them down off that pedestal. That won't happen. That won't exist. But that does not mean that they cannot equip you in powerful and important ways. Mm -hmm. We're so quick to criticize, to compare, to cut down, to elevate ourselves in the you watch me stage that we have to be careful for the quick switch. What's that? The quick switch takes you from you watch me to you weigh me. All of a sudden now we're in the posture of judge, the seat of judge weighing the intentions of someone's heart rather than pulling from the whatever is good and pure and honorable. Often in our humanity, we fall on one of those two extremes. Either we criticize and focus on how we would do it differently, how we would do it better. Listen, we've all done it. Before we were parents, we were like, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do this. And then you're a parent and you're like, oh my goodness, I had no idea what I was talking about. Or we put leaders, pastors, we put people we admire up on a pedestal. But listen, neither side of this teeter-totter is a healthy or beneficial in equipping. They're both 
extreme ends of a teeter-totter that don't work when it comes to equipping. Because the Mm. truth is nobody is perfect except Mm. for Jesus. There's absolutely no one who's perfect but Jesus. And Paul said this, be imitators of me as I am in Christ. So our posture should be like this, in however or whatever I do in following Christ, then learn, receive, hear, see, and practice these things. So wherever though, and however, and whatever I do that doesn't reflect Christ, guess what? We have a better model Mm -hmm. and it's Jesus. He's always our perfect example. Where I fall short, Jesus is faithful. Where I can't see, Jesus sees it all. Where I will fail you and I will fail you and I will fail you. I will fail. Jesus will never fail us. He'll never forsake us. And where I have character gaps, Jesus is all sufficient. Because of Jesus, we love, lead, and equip from our weakness that Christ may be glorified in us. And so our superpower lies in not being the perfect leader, the perfect parent, perfect in all our ways, the best equipper, the best discipler. Our superpower lies in tapping into the spirit of God within us who helps us in our weakness and makes us strong in him. Equipping doesn't mean hiding from weakness. It means leading people to put their trust and hope in a God who redeems all our weakness. Paul said, I will boast all the more in my weakness because he never wanted people to put him up on the throne. The throne is reserved for the King of Kings alone. It's awesome. So, so good, Laura. You know, did you catch what Paul said back in Philippians chapter four? And together we're going to celebrate communion Uh, So if you have your elements or you want to grab them, now's the time to do it. Uh, He said, what you have learned, what you have received, what you have heard and what you have seen in me, practice these things, okay? Practice these things. And what is one of the most formative practices that Jesus gave us is to come to the communion table together. That just this place of coming to this place, that we are equipped, that we are reminded of what is the gospel, not the mess around it and the opinions. Okay, what did Jesus say? It is about the broken body of Jesus. It is about the blood of Jesus. It is about the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus. It is to come back to this place where you and I celebrate, you know, the the body of Christ, the broken body and the blood of Jesus. So the scripture says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, you know, after giving thanks, he took and he broke bread. And he said that the brokenness of his bread was to represent the brokenness of his body so that we would take it, we would eat it, and in doing so, that we could be healed. It's the heart of what we've been talking about here today is that there are no perfect people. We're all wounded healers. We're all wounded leaders. There's brokenness in all of us. And so there's a follow me, learn of me, but then ultimately our lives don't point to our own successes. They point to the significance of the work of the cross. Mm. So if you're listening today, before we receive communion, the scripture says that we're to examine ourselves before we do though. So we don't take it in an unworthy manner. So my question is, what are you examining yourself against? You know, how you did last week better than this week? That's not a worthy examination. How someone else is doing it versus you, that's not a worthy examination. No, when we look at the perfection of Christ, we see our imperfections. And it's in that place where we say, thank you, Lord, I don't have to save myself, that you're savior, that I don't have to fix myself, that you're the great fixer, that I just need to be obedient. So I'm going to invite us, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to receive communion. So Heavenly Father, in this moment, I pray for some for the very first time and for others for a fresh time. 
that you would convict our hearts. Right now we have a shared surrender. We open our hearts to you. Jesus, I pray that you would save us, that you would heal us, that you would restore us, and that you would grow us up to be the followers of God that we're called to be. May we not be infants, but when we grow into maturity, Lord, so that we can love and serve a broken world the best we can together, reflecting who you are. And so, Lord, minister to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, oh, oh.